This week on the Fit for Purpose podcast, we hear from Toby Wilkinson. He's Deputy Vice-Chancellor at the University of Lincoln and responsible for the university's work with outside organisations, including the Social Mobility Pledge. We talk lockdown, the effect that all of this is having on students and the work that the university's been doing to boost social mobility in Holbeach in Lincolnshire. I hope you enjoy listening. Toby, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I suppose like the rest of us, you've been locked down somewhere. How's lockdown been for you? Where have you been? Well, I've been working from home, uh, like many people, in uh, rural Suffolk uh, for the last uh, uh, 10 weeks or so. Um, I guess the biggest change for me is that um, I've only used my car once in those 10 weeks, which is is quite nice and it's better for the environment, but it is a slightly strange experience uh, working from home day in, day out. And I suppose it must have been a bit of a challenge for the University of Lincoln to, without an awful lot of notice, suddenly have to rework how it delivered all of its education. Um, was that a hard thing to suddenly have to get to grips with? It was a, certainly a huge effort by, by a large number of people. Um, I think the University of Lincoln actually is, is pretty agile um, in general, um, uh, quite good at sort of turning on a sixpence. Um, and we did have and, and, and had had for some time um, quite an effective digital education department within the university. So with their support, we were actually able to put all of our teaching online within 24 hours, which, as I say, it was a, it was a massive effort by a lot of colleagues. But um, we did it very quickly and, and actually pretty smoothly. Um, so uh, it, uh, it certainly represented a big challenge uh, and a big change to the way we do things, um, but we were able to, to do it quite quickly. And I think a lot of organisations and teams have almost surprised themselves, haven't they, about how they manage to get certain tasks done and things change, which actually in any other time, if you'd sat down and said, right, you need to do X, Y and Z, the attitude or the kind of assumption would have been it would have been t- taking a lot longer. But I think people did really just get on with things, didn't they? I think that's absolutely right. And, and I think if, if we're going to take some positives from, from this very difficult period, um, it is that actually with modern technology, we can do an awful lot of things um, and we don't necessarily need to travel around quite as much um, uh, to get things done. Um, and so I'm sure that the world of work will change permanently uh, to more remote working. Um, and, and actually, part of what we, we need to do as a university um, is to enable our students to, to feel comfortable and familiar with that new sort of hybrid form of working, partly digital, partly face-to-face, because undoubtedly that is the way that the, uh, the labour market is going to be structured going forward. And I suppose for the university looking ahead for the autumn term, that's also how you're going to be delivering the courses that you are planning to do in this hybrid fashion? I mean, very much so. The, the, the message that we're receiving loud and clear from, from our students, um, uh, prospective students as well as returning students, is that they're really keen to have some face-to-face teaching, um, as are we very keen to provide that. That obviously has to be done in, in, in a socially distanced manner and, and with all the, the necessary uh, you know, health and, 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 and hygiene regulations in place. Um, but we are reconfiguring um, the teaching day and the teaching week and the campus to make sure that all of our students, um, if the the government regulations allow, will have face-to-face experience uh, alongside their their digital teaching, uh, because I think that blended approach is is really important. 
And how have the students found lockdown? I mean, how, presumably as a university, you've also had to do a lot of work to support students through this period, which has been difficult for a lot of people. We have, and I think one of our biggest concerns really um, as a university and as a higher education sector is the differential impact that lockdown has had on different groups of students. Um, so you know, if, if you happen to have broadband at home and somewhere quiet to work, then in a sense, you know, digital uh, teaching and learning uh, has been an adjustment, but it's not been too, too difficult. Um, if you're in very different circumstances, then it can be a, quite a challenge to engage digitally. We certainly provided a lot of students at the start of lockdown um, with IT equipment, with laptops and, uh, and, and headphones and, and other uh, sort, sorts of equipment to enable them to, to carry on digital um, uh, teaching and learning um, during the lockdown period. But we're very conscious of the fact that many of our students come from uh, uh, rural areas, for example, which don't have good broadband connections. So um, I think you know, going forward as a sector, we really need to be alert to supporting all groups of students, particularly if, if, if we're going to have this hybrid model of teaching to ensure that no group is, is disadvantaged. I think it really has meant that this concept of the digital divide becomes a lot more important. Because if you're going to have more of our services, whether it's education or anything else, delivered through the internet and online, then actually people who find it harder to go online, whether they've not got the resources or for other reasons, they've not got the environment in which they can do it easily. That then becomes a real problem that I think if we're going to have a resilient education system or an economy, we're going to have to obviously get to grips with over the coming months. I completely agree. And, and in a part of the country like Lincolnshire, um, which not only has you know, pockets of, of significant uh, deprivation, but also you know, large swathes of the county without uh, good broadband, actually without a decent mobile phone connection in some parts of, of Lincolnshire, um, that digital divide is very apparent. Um, and I think as a nation, you're absolutely right, if we're going to move forward into, into a new world, uh, we have to ensure that everybody has access to high-speed broadband. Now, one of the things that the University of Lincoln, I think, has really um, worked on that's been particularly interesting for us on the Social Mobility Pledge is the work that you've been doing on the whole beach campus and with the National Centre for Food Manufacturing. Toby, can you tell us a little bit about where all of that whole beach focus began and then, in a sense, how it evolved over the year, years to suddenly end up being this much bigger strategy in a sense that came out of that yes absolutely so i mean whole beach for those who don't know it is is a small town in the south of lincolnshire um, in the fens close to the border with norfolk and it's very much at the center of the uk's food manufacturing industry um, a large amount of growing takes place there but also a lot about a large amount of food manufacturing uh, and and many of the the products that we find on our supermarket shelves uh, although you wouldn't know it, are made uh, in and around Holbeach. Um, and for many, many years, the university had had a, a small campus there uh, engaging with the local uh, food manufacturing sector um, uh, in terms of skills development and, and education. Um, and actually, what, is, what has really crystallised that presence down in, in the south of Lincolnshire uh, was the formation uh, of our multi-academy trust. Uh, when the local school back in, in 2011 uh, actually was was going through a merger of, of two secondary schools um, 
and uh, we were approached as a university to see if we would take on sponsorship of, of that secondary school. Um, and because the site of the school was slap bang next to our National Centre for Food Manufacturing, uh, we thought actually this would make a lot of sense to see what synergies we could find between uh, the university level provision and, and, and the secondary education in, in the area. Um, and over the years since 2011, that trust has expanded to five schools now, um, spanning everything from primary through to secondary and, and now with, with our campus uh, tertiary opportunities, apprenticeships. Um, and what we've really created down in Hull Beach is an entire educational ecosystem where uh, children and young people from the first time that they enter full-time education uh, can see a pathway through uh, from primary to secondary uh, into university level education, into uh, jobs uh, with local industries. We work really closely with, as I say, with the local food manufacturing sector, not only at university, but also to bring their contacts into the schools uh, to help with uh, apprenticeships, uh, with the vocational provision um, at the, uh, the academies as well. So it's been a fantastic experience for us in how we really put Whole Beach on the map in terms of the food sector, but as I've said, create those pathways, uh, those opportunities for young people so that they can see a way all the way through into highly skilled, highly paid employment. Do you feel that the employers, almost the supply chain bit of the ecosystem, that they've responded to this and actually more strategically looked at how they can locate higher skilled jobs there because you've really developed this national centre? I think they, they've responded magnificently. So, for example, you know, two uh, of the really big players in the sector, one food manufacturer and one food retailer, uh, have um, members on the on the governing body of the, of the trust. Um, so they're very involved in the in the strategy for, for the academy schools. Um, they also sit on, on an advisory uh, body for the National Centre for Food Manufacturing. Um, and one of the critical things that I guess as a university we can bring uh, to the table is our expertise in robotics, uh, in automation, um, and in sort of 21st century uh, digitalization of, of industry. And that's something that is very appealing to the food manufacturers because they can see uh, how that will, will help their, their industry in the future. And of course, really critically, it, it creates higher skilled, um, higher wage uh, jobs in an area which traditionally has been quite low skill, low wage uh, agricultural workers. So it's a kind of win for everybody, actually. Do you feel that it's a model in a sense that other universities could really look at and adopt? Because you end up with this really interesting evolution of a basic campus there, but then things change, don't they? Once the University of Lincoln gets more involved upstream with those local schools and it really goes from there that you start to join up all these pieces and actually make them work much more effectively as a whole. Yeah, I would really hope it's something that other universities can look at in, in their localities. And obviously the industry sectors will, different, uh, will differ yes. in different parts of the country. But uh, I think you know, universities do have this extraordinary convening power. They are anchor institutions in many of their communities. Uh, and they are able, as you've said, to kind of join the dots and, and to, to link up different parts of, of the education and employment um, ecosystem uh, in a way that creates real opportunity for people. So, you know, what we've done with the food manufacturing sector down in Holbeach, um, I would hope that other universities could do with other sectors in, in other parts of the country. 
I think it's really exciting and I think it's it's obviously brought in opportunities to an area that in the past might have struggled to to get them so it's clearly making a real difference yeah and if i can just give you one one example of that justine i mean it's um when when the university academy holbeach that the first of the secondary schools joined our 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 trust in Mm -hmm. 2011 uh, that year only one young person from that school went to university Mm -hmm. Um, last year 34 young people from that school went to university. And this year, we've got 54 university applicants um, from year 13. So just in in a 10 year period, the involvement of the university in raising aspirations and opportunities for young people has had a demonstrable effect in in a part of the country which has traditionally had very low participation rates post 16. So do you think staying in education now and, and getting into higher education has steadily become the norm in a place like Holbeach instead of being something that a few children and young people did, but actually most most wouldn't? It's, it's certainly become part of, of people's... Um, uh, they're much more familiar with it as, mm. as an option for them. So because the university is heavily involved with the schools, that whole concept of higher education... Um, is brought to the attention of of children and young people and their families uh, from a much earlier stage. And because we share our facilities on the university campus with our secondary school next door, it means that again, those young people have the opportunity to to access facilities which they would never normally get in a school environment. And it just creates that that buzz of, of what higher education can open up. And so, becomes a much more normal part of the conversation, I think, for for families in that area. And I suppose in a way it also gets over one of the challenges that maybe some students feel, even when they're going to university, is that they're not sure what next. Whereas for many of these young people, what they can see is this wider world of work and potentially a career um, in a local industry that means they've got quite a good sense, actually, of the opportunities that lie beyond then maybe going to the University of Lincoln or any other university to, to study for a degree. Absolutely. It, it, it is absolutely about creating those visible pathways so that a young person at the age of 16, instead of leaving school and, and you know, getting a low paid job, can, can see that if they stay on uh, and they progress through into university, um, they can see that they can still get a job in, in, in their local area where they may wish to stay for, for family and other reasons but it will be a much better paid job with better prospects. And this is not just a a theoretical concept. They can see their peers who have gone before them, who've done exactly that, who've been those trailblazers. So those really powerful role models, I think is also really important. Mm, It all joins up. And I guess for, for you, Toby, obviously you've built a career that's ended up leading you into academia and becoming deputy VC of the University of Lincoln. Just tell us a little bit about how your journey went and whether that was the direction that you'd originally planned or, or did, it, did it evolve in its own way as well? Uh, yes, it was not a planned career, really. Um, it, it, it's, it's been a rather kind of circuitous route to, to where I've ended up. Um, uh, and, and, I mean, interestingly, you know, I, I was the first member of my family to go to university certainly at the age of 18. My, my mother had been as a mature student, actually, while I was uh, still at school. Um, but my father had left school at 16 and, uh, uh, and 
so yeah it was a it was a bit of a step into the unknown for me um uh, and i found actually that i rather enjoyed um study at at at, uh, at higher education level um and so stayed on and and, and did postgraduate work and and then stayed on uh, subsequently and and after that my career has sort of gone in all sorts of interesting directions all always within a an educational setting um and i guess what it's it's taught me is that you know there are so many different things that you can do in in an industry and i think you know what is true of higher education is true of almost every other sector as well and and looking back if if i could have uh, sort of advised my my 18 year old self um, I really didn't understand that much about the world of work or about mm -hmm. the different pathways that were, were available. I think I had quite sort of fixed ideas about what different sectors uh, offered. Um, and I think, you know, now um, school careers, advisors and, and university careers services I think have a much broader sense of the different opportunities out there. Um, and, and my advice and encouragement would be always to kind of follow your passion, do, do things that you're interested in. And if new opportunities come along, which don't seem to sort of take you in a linear direction, um, don't be afraid to, to take them because actually they can open up whole new worlds. I'm sure that's right. I think you never know whether something that you are going to try is about to be the thing that you end up loving and almost shaping shaping a life around. I remember when I was picking my A-levels and um, I only took economics A-level as the third A-level because I had to do three. <laughs> and um, I remember the careers teacher asking, saying, well, you've got to do three A-levels. I was doing maths and physics. You have to do a third. And he said, what are you interested in, Justine? And I remember saying to him, oh, I don't know, current affairs? And he said, oh, you might like economics. <laughs> so... <laughs> I do economics A-level and literally within two lessons, it's clear to me that I absolutely adore this subject. I find it fascinating. This is absolutely the thing that I will do at university. Up until that point, I'd known that I wanted to get to university. No one in my family had been. I just was, wasn't really sure what I would study. But literally within the space of a fortnight of starting this September term at Thomas Rosam College, you know, I've suddenly got a much clearer sense of the next step. But had I not done or tried that that subject, I never would have known that it was, you know, the thing that really that really fired me up. So I think your point about almost seeing how things go and, and almost being a bit nimble, not not getting too kind of stuck on what you thought you might do, is probably really, really good advice, I think, for young people listening into this. Sorry, the other thing I would I would really encourage is is just that sense of curiosity as well, because I think if you've got a curious mind and, and if you're interested in new things, um, you know, you'll never know quite what the opportunities will be. Um, and I think if you know, if there's one thing we try to encourage in our uh, our pupils in our schools and, and our students at the university, it is that sense of open mindedness and curiosity so that they're they're receptive to, to new ideas and, and, and new things as they come along, not, not scared of them. Do you think for young people looking at different career paths, I mean, obviously a lot of them probably wouldn't think particularly about a career path within academia. Um, if you were trying to sell it to a young person now to say, actually do think about this because it can be hugely rewarding. How would you do that? What would you say is almost the best thing about that sort of role and, and what it can do? I think that 
at their best, really successful institutions uh, like universities, like schools, like colleges, can have a really transformative impact on the lives and, and life chances of, of the people who come into contact with them. It's a kind of magnifier effect, if you like, a multiplier effect. So, you know, uh, an institution that supports hundreds or thousands of, of, of people to achieve their potential can have such a dramatic impact on its local community and on communities, you know, far beyond its walls. And so for me, I guess the, the common theme that I've always felt very passionate about in my career is how you help an institution to um, fulfill individual potential. Um, and, and, and I guess what I would say to people considering a, a career in, in higher education is that just think of the impact that you can have touching the lives of so many people and giving people the opportunities to, 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 to be who they want to be and to contribute to society as, as much as they can with their own talents and skills. You know, that is an incredible position of, of privilege, actually, to be able to help people fulfill their ambitions. Um, and it can have such a transformative effect. And if you look at a place like Lincoln, um, the impact that the university has had in the city on the wider uh, cultural, economic, social um, success of that community over the last 20 years has been completely transformational and you know what more fulfilling thing to do with your life um, than to work in an institution that can have that kind of positive impact. I do think it's it's striking in a sense so I strongly agree with you I think it's striking how universities have this scale of reach that perhaps isn't quite appreciated in terms of the numbers of lives they can transform, not in not just the students that pass through them, but also these wider communities. And I think the work that the University of Lincoln has done in Holbeach in particular is a fantastic example of a university that went to an area that wasn't immediately on its doorstep, but was close enough and then had a, a really positive impact on not just the young people, but, but other people who were living there for the long term and I think it does show that maybe some people might think that academia is is this uh, role that means you'll be in some sort of an ivory tower but actually the reality for universities is it's a much grittier role um, that's much more external facing now than it's ever been and as you say Toby can really have a transformative impact for young people. Right. I certainly know how much university transformed my life. I, I think I, I went to Southampton University and, you know, came out of it really a very different and more rounded, more grown up person than the one that went in. But I'd had chance to meet so many different people that I hadn't really met before. And, and in a very different part of the country to the one that I'd grown up in, which was not a million miles away from Lincoln, um, which was Rotherham, in Yorkshire so it is that kind of experience that can really shift a young person's attitudes and aspirations and certainly I had a very different sense of what was possible in my life after I'd come out of university than perhaps the person that went in so yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head Toby um I think thank you so much for joining us on this fit for purpose podcast today I think you've well, it's been a real pleasure thank you well, you've done a brilliant job, not only of talking about 
all of the work that the University of Lincoln's doing, both in Lincoln, but also crucially in Holbeach, but also I think setting out just this crucial role that higher education now plays for young people in almost taking that young person that comes out of a school and then building the person that can go into a career and be successful. It's crucial work and it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much indeed, Justine. It's been lovely to talk to you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then subscribe to the series or share it with a friend. See you next time.